From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, endothelial cell density and DSIG. Some of those corneas did have cell densities less than 2300. Preoperative cell density does not influence the outcome here. First this. I know many of the audience of a scene from here also watch my live conference interviews on ewreplay.org. These brief video programs highlight the most important news from major ophthalmology meetings and number in the hundreds every year. But if you haven't watched ewreplay.org recently, you've got to check it out. iWorld Replay has really upped its game with super video production and fantastic content. ewreplay.org. We've just renovated and we'd love to have you over. There are many challenges that distinguish transplantation surgery from other ophthalmological surgeries. There are technique challenges and tissue banking challenges, but perhaps the biggest challenge of all is the risk of tissue rejection. As transplant surgeons, we aim to minimize the likelihood of graft complications, and amongst the factors we examine are endothelial cell counts. But how important is this parameter, and how predictive of late graft failure? This is the question asked by Jonathan Lass and Sanjay Patel, who published results of their study in a recent paper in ophthalmology. I discussed the study and its precedents with both authors. We're going to be talking about uh, your study, but in order to to be able to to provide some context, um, let let me ask let me ask John, since you serve on both of these groups, what is SMAS and what is the Cornea Preservation Time Study? Well, the, uh, Sanjay actually was in the cornea donor study as well as an investigator, um, so um, so he's he's familiar with both as well. Um, as the cornea donor study was conceived uh, probably in 1998, so over 20 years ago, and um, that was to address the concern about the age of the donor, and uh, that. At that time, there was really a, a prejudice against using tissue over 60 years of age. So in that study, there was a randomized trial where half of the patients, uh, well, approximately half of the patients received uh, uh, corneas from uh, 65 um, up to, excuse me, 66 up to 75 years of age. And the other half, uh, approximately half, um, a little more than half, were uh, below 66 down to, I think, about 32. The trial actually was extended out with 10 years of follow-up and sometimes even longer. And that study showed that um, donor age uh, did not make a difference for like 80% of all the donors in the United States from about 34 up to 71 years of age. It was just at the extremes that uh, there was a difference in terms of uh, graph success at 5 and 10 years with the oldest donors between 72 and 75 doing worse, particularly than the younger donors, the very younger donors under 34, something like that. Um, but uh, that was the uh, that was the message that came out of the cornea donor study. And that really uh, changed the whole attitude about donor age uh, in the eye banking community, and people are a lot more comfortable using older tissue as a result of that study. Uh, the uh, other... Uh, 
study uh, came out of uh, uh, concerns, uh, again, as another uh, attempt to, to uh, increase the donor pool, and that was surrounding preservation time. There was a there was and still is to some extent a prejudice against using four degrees stored tissue um, beyond seven or eight days. So in that study uh, that was um, started in 2012 and just wrapped up the end of uh, last year, that, that uh, looked at um, a randomized trial where donors were uh, either stored from up to seven days versus another group eight to fourteen days, and uh, the so the main primary outcome for that was looking at the effect of preservation time on graft success in cell loss. What is SMAS? What is the uh, the specular microscopy ancillary study? <clears throat> when the cornea donor study was uh, conceived, it was just looking at graft success, and but the um, uh, there was an add-on to the study, the spectrum microscopy ancillary study, which looked at cell loss. So that, that's why there were two names, because there was uh, the main study looking at, at graft success and then the ancillary study, which was a subset of, of the uh, patients. Maybe about half of the uh, donors and patients were in the uh, SMAS part of the study. Now, once more, to, to provide context, I want to talk about a, a study that is not the current study that we're speaking about, uh, but that is an endothelial uh, cell study uh, looking at endothelial uh, graft failure in penetrating keratoplasty. Can I get you to outline that study and what its findings were? Well, at that time, and there still is a prejudice that uh, people wanted the highest cell counts possible uh, for penetrating keratoplasty. And, and and, and now that goes on with endothelial keratoplasty. But this, the cornea donor study and the spectrum microscopy ancillary study published a paper in, in um, Archives of Ophthalmology in 2010 that showed that the baseline cell count did not make a difference in terms of late failures, uh, whereas the six-month count did. So if you had a cell count at six months, um, uh, with a cell count less than 1,700 cells per millimeter squared, there was a 13% chance of failure versus a 2% chance of, of failure if the count was over 2,500 at six months. So that, that was the first to really change attitudes about the preoperative count, at least relate, related to penetrating keratoplasty. Sanjay, let, let's um, define some, some terms here. What constitutes... Uh, late endothelial graft failure. What's what's the the clinical definition of of late failure? And it, it is does this definition exclude uh, failure resulting from rejection from an inflammatory process? Anytime we talk about graft failure, we're you know normally talking about a, a loss of clarity in the graft, and and typically that affects vision. And uh, there's, there's many causes of graft failure. So in this specific study, we, we looked at corneas that had late endothelial graft failure. And so these are, these are corneas that have endothelial cell attrition, and it's, uh, it's not attributed to uh, an underlying immunologic or graft rejection event. So um, any eyes that had a graft rejection that went on to fail were not included in these. 
Um, and similarly, we, we took out eyes that had any um, obvious acute event, um, such as a you know a high pressure from a pupillary block from from the bubble in the in the postoperative period. Uh, um, we excluded those. So essentially, we're looking at grafts that the endothelium um, stopped working for whatever reason that might be. But the key thing here, you know, that separates it from primary graft failure is that the primary failures never cleared after surgery. The late failures, they cleared. Um, they were clear typically at two months, and then they went on to uh, fail after that. Can I get you to describe the design of, of the study, what the, the main outcome measures were? And is this study sort of the the DSEC cognate of the penetrating keratoplasty study? The CPTS itself was was a randomized trial looking at corneal preservation time and, and corneas uh, donors were randomized to one week of preservation with, versus um, eight to 14 days of preservation. And um, this particular study was a, was a secondary analysis um, looking at factors that contributed to late endothelial graft failure. So um, we defined the um, corneas uh, or the patients that went on to develop late endothelial graft failure, and then we, we looked at the potential factors, especially preoperative endothelial cell density and, and uh, cell density at 6 and 12 months, but also any operative complication, um, and to see how these were related to, to the onset of late failure. So in many regards, this was a parallel study to one that was done uh, as a secondary analysis from the cornea donor study um, for penetrating keratoplasty, but, but looking at DSAC in, in this situation. How was endothelial cell density determined for the purpose of, of this study? We uh, basically uh, uh, used the central reading center, the cornea analysis reading center at, at the Case Western and University Hospitals in Cleveland. Uh, all the eye banks and uh, clinical sites had their microscopes calibrated for magnification. Uh, we worked with them on image quality prior to the study. And uh, basically, um, unlike the SMAS, the SMAS trial, we were able to uh, gather data from all the donors in the study and all the recipients um, and uh, basically uh, obtained uh, uh, Imaging um, uh, at uh, baseline and then uh, 6, 6, 12, 24, and 36 months. Um, and uh, three images of the central endothelium were obtained, and, and then the reading center analyzed those and took the average of the three images, and that's how the density was determined. And what were your findings? What were your results of this study? So so in this, in this study, we, we actually came up with 14 eyes that underwent late endothelial graft failure um, as per our definition. And, um, and so that represented a, um, a cumulative probability of 1.3%. So overall, it's a, it was a low phenomenon, but I do want to point out that, you know, there were many more grafts that failed as primary. Um, so I believe it was 45 grafts that that never actually cleared. So um, that's a little separate category. But um, when you put that in context of penetrating keratoplasty, 
the ultimate numbers come out to be the same um, uh, after several years. The, the total number of failures is similar. But key um, in this study was that you know the the probability of late failure was more likely or much higher when the cell density at six months was less than 1,200. So then there was a 6.5% uh, uh, probability of failure. Um, so that seemed to be maybe a little bit of an arbitrary cutoff, but that's that's what our data showed us, that once you get below six, uh, 1,200 cells, you, you're uh, more likely to run into failure. When we delved further, so this kind of looks at the associations then of, 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 of late failure, probably the two key findings were that post-operative cell density at six months, a lower cell density at six months was more likely to uh, lead to late endothelial failure. And any operative complication was also independently associated with late failure. And the operative complications were was something that the surgeons reported um, based on surgery, and many of them were categorized. Sometimes they, they wrote in um, the problems they had, and then we, we categorized those for them. Um, but those were the two key factors, and, and the, the third thing of interest was preoperative cell density, which was not associated with late failure. So that was a finding similar to um, the cornea donor study for the penetrating keratoplasty. The other thing that was surprising uh, that was not associated was graft dislocation. So the basically, um, if 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 the dislocation was managed properly, it did not actually res result in in a in a late failure in late failures. So uh, that was um, just another factor, and also intraocular pressure. As if we excluded the eyes that had immediate high pressures in the first week or so, like the cupillary block, and just had elevations over 25 millimeters during the times like steroid responsiveness, and that also did not have an association with late failures. Now, to to some extent, I'm sure that it, it, it's not surprising that preoperative endothelial cell density, and just to make it clear to the to the listeners. It's an obvious point. When we're talking about preoperative endothelial cell density, we're talking about the graft. We're not talking about the host. The, to to some extent, it must not have surprised you that preoperative endothelial cell density was um, not predictive of late endothelial graft failure because this is what the previous penetrating keratoplasty study had 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 shown. But taking both studies together, did it surprise you that uh, that there wasn't this correlate? Uh, between preoperative endothelial cell density and late graft failure, it surprised me. We frankly didn't know because certainly uh, there, there, there's been a, there is a significant difference in the pattern of cell loss uh, after penetrating keratoplasty versus versus uh, DSEC, and and that's been observed by many uh, authors. Um, so we really didn't know what was going to be predictive. Uh, so that's why we're very interested in this trial, both looking at pre-op six months. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough 12-month data in failures to, to make a conclusion on that. But um, we really didn't know. Um, so even though the pattern of cell loss was different, uh, the uh, predictions were the same. 
I don't. What, what do you think? Uh, what's your What's your impression, Sanjay? Yeah, I, I I would I would agree with that. I mean, we we all you know would have our biases, but until the until the data speaks, we we really don't know the answer. And I think it was it was important to to look at this, even though we knew um, that preoperative cell density didn't didn't seem to affect late failure after penetrating keratoplasty. It's important to look, as, as John mentioned, the the pattern of cell loss after surgery is different between DSAIC and PK. Um, but also, there's a lot more tissue manipulation that that goes on for the sake not not just the pre-cut, um, but you know significantly more manipulation in in uh, in the operating room and intraoperatively. So there was always the possibility that preoperative cell density might be a factor. If I'm understanding your findings correctly, since preoperative endothelial cell density does not seem to be an important factor. And since endothelial cell densities at six months is an important factor, it would seem to me that the eyes at risk for late endothelial graft failure are those with a higher rate of endothelial cell loss. Do do you have any insight into why some eyes have this higher rate? And is it entirely dependent on things like operative complications? Yeah, that's a a great question. I mean, this this study essentially came out with two independent risk factors. One, one was operative complications, and one was, uh, you know, the cell density at six months, meaning, you know, the, the cell loss over the, the first six months. But they were they were two independent factors. So it's not simply about operative complications. Clearly, that is something that surgeons can modify based on their technique, and they have some control over. Um, but there's probably other factors that we we don't fully understand with respect to the donor, um, and that you know certain donors appear to be more resilient to to the stress of manipulation and surgery than other donors, and you know the diabetes may be one of those factors, diabetes in in the donor, possibly the recipient, but there's potentially other unknown factors or um, targets that we can make the cells more resilient. Well, in our other papers, um, we didn't find a diabetic effect in the penetrating carapla in the in the CDS mass study in terms of its effect on failures. Uh, whereas in in the CPTS, where we may have done a better job, at least historically, characterizing diabetes, uh, paper uh, another one of our papers that. Um, uh, Mark Carey was the author on, did show a effect of donor diabetes on graft failure. Now, those were primarily in the early stages, not, not so much late, but there was certainly an effect noted early on, and, and those, those corneas would have been excluded in, in this study that we're talking about today. But uh, clearly, diabetes does have an effect and what we showed was particularly at the, at the early stages with more primary and early failures. Uh, so the diabetes is certainly uh, a, a concern, and, and that concern obviously has been extended to DMEC as well. Um, so uh, yes, I, I think we just unfortunately we are limited by uh, our, our our techniques in terms of donor evaluation, and hopefully we will come up with more. Uh, metabolic kinds of assessments of, of, of the donor 
that would go beyond simply looking at it and um, and counting the number of cells you got. So and and just looking at historically what what that donor's been through. So I think long term we need better ways of assessing the donor and to try to look at some of these more individual variations from donor to donor. Now, as you say, one one of the the upshots of of this study is uh, the identification of of the of the fact that there is is this sort of variable rate of endothelial cell loss, and that that there may be markers that 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 we can look for uh, that will help us to distinguish which donors are at are at risk for for this. But for the the information from for for the the conclusions that you've gathered from this study, um, should there be be any influence on clinical practice now? Should it be that we 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 should have sort of broader margins for um, what is acceptable uh, for donor endothelial cell density? Is there is there anything else that that we should be drawing from this? Yeah, probably the the most important thing here is or two two most important things is that surgeons you know really shouldn't be fixated on the preoperative endothelial cell density um, as that does not influence the um, the uh, onset of late endothelial graft failure. You know, while while the screening cell density of the donor had to be greater than than 2,300, when we actually had the reading center evaluate the the post-cut images or the, the pre-shipping images, um, some of those corneas did have cell densities less than 2,300. So preoperative cell density does not influence the outcome here. Um, and the second, in fact, factor is that surgeons need to optimize their techniques and try to minimize those operative complications um, so they can, um, you know, have these graphs survive as long as possible. Guys, thank you very much. Uh, Sanjay, John, you've been super generous with your uh, time. This was a, a very, very interesting study, and I'm, I'm delighted that you've taken the, the, the time to speak with me today. Thanks to you. Appreciate thank it. You. Excellent. Thank you. Jonathan Lass is the Charles I. Thomas Professor of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at the Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. Sanjay Patel is Chair of the Department of Ophthalmology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Their paper, Postoperative Endothelial Cell Density is Associated with Late Endothelial Graft Failure After Decimase Stripping Automated Endothelial Keratoplasty, appears in the February 2019 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Lass, Dr. Patel, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.